Governor J.B. Pritzker gives an upbeat State of the State address, but a dark ethical cloud still hangs over the General Assembly. We'll talk about that on this week's edition of Capital Cast. Hello and welcome to Capital Cast, a regular podcast of Capital News Illinois. I'm Peter Hancock, and here with me is Jerry Nowicki, State House Bureau Chief for Capital News Illinois. Jerry, welcome. How you doing, Peter? All right. So we listened to the governor's State of the State address on Wednesday of this week. Um, how would you contrast this with the kinds of addresses and general attitude of his predecessor, Governor Rauner? Yeah, he made it pretty clear uh, that you know this is the second year of a new era in Illinois. Uh, considering what how Governor Rauner had led, I think Governor Rauner. Uh, when he was governor, even had commercials uh, with other governors from other states saying, thank you, Illinois, for sending uh, your citizens over to me, you know, from Missouri, wherever they were. And that was just something kind of galling and glaring about those commercials. Uh, and that's a general tone Governor Rauner liked to say, you know, Illinois is broken, the system is broken. And you, with Pritzker, you just see, you know, uh, we'll hear some clips later that he, he was very positive about uh, the state of Illinois, even though he admitted there's still struggles ahead. Yeah, let's listen to something he said early on in his speech. Those who would shout doom and gloom might be loud using social media bots and paid hacks to advance their false notions, but they are not many. You see, we're wresting the public conversation in Illinois back from people concerned with one thing and one thing only, predicting total disaster, spending hundreds of millions of dollars promoting it, and then doing everything in their power to make it happen. I'm here to tell the carnival barkers, the doomsayers, the paid professional critics, the state of our state is growing stronger each day. Okay, and then later on in the speech, he kind of referred back to that again. Yeah, he said, we stopped bad-mouthing the state, and we actually started putting forth proposals that will help businesses and whatnot. And, of course, there he was referencing some of the compromises he would came to with uh, Republican leaders in the House and Senate towards the end of the last budget negotiations. And let's talk about the Republican reaction to that a little bit. Uh, I think, on the one hand, they seemed appreciative that he was putting out a bipartisan kind of message. Uh, but a lot of them seem to criticize it for being a lot of style and not much substance. Right. Leader Brady from the Senate Republicans, uh, Bloomington senator, he, he said, you know, basically it was a good speech. We stood and applauded because it was written for us to stand and applaud. But he would have liked to see more uh, in terms of specifics of how he wants to help businesses. And uh, Republicans are still very much against the minimum wage increase that will get to $15 by 2025. Uh, they want to phase in maybe some tax breaks if they can uh, for com communities that where the cost of living is a little bit cheaper than in Chicago. Right, right, kind of regionalize the right. minimum wage. So, yeah, it's, it's, I think you spoke to Leader uh, Durkin in, in the House. Yeah, and he was saying kind of the same thing, that um, uh, he wants to see a lot more specifics, uh, which we'll probably hear in the budget address, which is coming up in a couple of weeks, um, but would have preferred to see more specifics. And uh, in particular, he was uh, very concerned about uh, the cloud of ethics hanging over the General Assembly right now. Uh, and some 
Republicans were actually criticizing the governor for spending only about you know, four paragraphs out of an 80-paragraph speech talking about ethics. And one of the reasons that was important is because hanging over the legislature right now is a great big ethical cloud. Uh, just two days before the governor gave that speech, former Senator Martin Sandoval uh, was formally charged with bribery and tax fraud. Uh, the following day, he entered a guilty plea uh, as part of an agreement where he is going to cooperate uh, with federal investigators. Uh, so they're maybe even more charges coming down. And the governor kind of took that head on uh, as a a big part of his speech. Let's listen to that. And now we have to work together to confront a scourge that has been plaguing our political system for far too long. We must root out the purveyors of greed and corruption in both parties, whose presence infects the bloodstream of government. It's no longer enough to sit idle while under the table deals extortion or bribery persist. Protecting that culture or tolerating it is no longer acceptable. We must take urgent action to restore the public's trust in our government. That's why we need to pass real lasting ethics reform this legislative session. Okay, so he's talking about he wants real reform, and he actually spelled out some uh, examples of uh, what he wants. He talked about a revolving door law that would say uh, lawmakers can't uh, immediately become lobbyists for a period of time after they retire. Uh, He talked about a ban on lawmakers working side jobs as lobbyists at other units of government, Uh, a couple of things like that. Yeah, and for more uh, disclosure of conflicts of interest and such. Yeah, uh, he mentioned conflicts of interest, and that's kind of an interesting thing. Uh, the Illinois law, uh, it, it's called the Governmental Ethics Act, has a code of conduct in there, but absolutely no enforcement mechanism, which I think a lot of people didn't know. Um, it's it's completely advisory, and it says in the law that this is only meant as a guide, and it's not meant to be enforced or you know a source of sanctions uh, for people who violate the code of conduct. And I think that came as a surprise. But later in the week, there was a hearing of the Joint Commission on Ethics and Lobbying Reform, which uh, the legislature put together last year. In the wake of all of these scandals, there was testimony from Marie Dillon, who is with an outfit called the Better Government Association, and she talked about how this law was written uh, out of a previous commission from the mid-1960s. Let's listen to what she had to say at that hearing. The Conflicts of Interest Commission recommended a code of conduct as well as ethical principles for lawmakers and their close associates. Those things made it into law, sort of. It also recommended penalties, including censure and public reporting for violators. Those things did not. The law says explicitly that the ethical principles, quote, are intended only as guides, not rules meant to be enforced by disciplinary action, unquote. So we ended up with a law that leaves it up to individual legislators to decide if they have a conflict of interest and if so, what to do about it. As a taxpayer, I have to say emphatically that's not good enough. So it's sounding like the governor wants to revisit that law. He wants to put some teeth into uh, the ethics law, especially regarding conflicts of interest. And that even would require lawmakers to abstain from voting or to recuse themselves 
recuse themselves on certain issues, uh, if they have a conflict of interest, they would have to disclose that conflict of interest and uh, might even face penalties if they were to violate the code. He's kind of asking lawmakers to put a lot more control on themselves, and this is a group of individuals who uh, have been pretty independent for a lot of years. Is that going to be a hard thing to get through? Well, at that committee hearing, I think leader Greg Harris, uh, Democratic leader, said, you know, what about farmers? Can they vote on any farm legislation? This is a real thing. Any bill that comes out of here is going to have to go through lawmakers. It's going to be watered down from whatever the governor characterizes it in his speech, even though it was fairly vague. Uh, you know, what we see isn't going to be the bill that's introduced. There'll be a lot of amendments on the way with, with input from lawmakers and lobbyists. So, you know, we'll see what comes of this. Okay. One of the other reforms that Republicans are pushing real hard right now is the idea of what they call fair maps. That is putting the job of drawing legislative district lines in the hands of an independent commission rather than lawmakers themselves. And they say that's actually the root of the corruption is that politicians get to pick their voters. Right. And they're going to push pretty hard on this. Leader Brady said he's never seen the state as divided between Chicago and downstate uh, as he as he does now. Um, and he says the reason a guy like Senator Sandoval is allowed to maintain power is because the Democrats draw his district district and make sure he doesn't have any challenges. Um, yeah. So. And in fact, during the 2018 campaign, I was just reading today's uh, uh, somebody brought up the fact that Governor Pritzker was asked during the campaign uh, whether or not he would support this fair maps proposal, which I guess requires a constitutional amendment, does it? Uh, yeah, or, or possibly not. That, that's what yeah. the Republicans want to uh, get out of it. Uh, they want it to be without question that an unfair map can't be uh, passed. Uh, so what so, Governor Pritzker has said is, is that he'd veto any map that isn't unfair. He'd, I don't know that he promised a constitutional amendment. I think his statement was that he wouldn't veto, uh, that he would and, veto a map that was not fair. And so that, yeah, that's what he's saying now is that he, he will veto any map uh, that seems to be drawn politically rather than fairly. Right. And one thing to note is Senate President Harmon, the new Senate president, and before he was named Senate president, had called, uh, he told Mark Maxwell of uh, WCIA in Champaign that he believed Illinois' maps were unusually fair. So fair map, uh, it's going to come down to how each of these parties define fair. Okay. Uh, so let's look ahead to next week. Uh, what do we have coming up in week two? Uh, we will probably get a good glimpse as to which bills are introduced uh, from the governor's speech, uh, how they reflect into policy, what the uh, main initiatives of each party are. Um, I think we're, uh, Senator Rahm Villivalum is going to chair his first committee at, as head of transportation, who's, which is the committee Senator Sandoval used to chair. So that'll be interesting to see how he goes with that and if he makes any statements on his new chairmanship. And that was actually, it's alleged to have been the source of a lot of the corruption. As chairman of the Transportation Committee, Sandoval was in a place where he could steer uh, the installation of red light cameras, uh, which benefited companies that made large campaign contributions to him. Uh, just having that power over that committee uh, seemed to be a source of corruption for Sandoval. Do we think Villavalum uh, will set a different tone in there? 
I'm certain he will. Um, he, he's going to want to distance himself from that. Uh, he's a freshman lawmaker, uh, pretty well respected for someone who hasn't been here too long. And he's, uh, I believe he supported Don Harmon for the Senate presidency, too. Well, so. and that always helps right. uh, if you voted for the right candidate. Uh, one of the other things coming up, uh, which is kind of a holdover from last year, it's really kind of an administrative thing uh, from the executive branch, uh, but the state of Illinois now uses what's called managed care for its Medicaid program, and that's sort of like an HMO. You pay an insurance company a flat per month rate to provide you with whatever care you're going to need, and it's up to the managed care organization, the insurance company, uh, to make sure that you get the care that you need, the preventive care especially. There's been a lot of concern about how that has worked out, uh, some concern that the private insurance companies aren't saving money by being more efficient with health care, but rather by denying claims. And now they're going to take all of the youth who are in the in the custody of the Department of Children and Family Services and move them into managed care. And there's been a lot of concern because this is a very high-risk population, uh, usually children who are coming out of abusive or neglective backgrounds, uh, have a lot of mental health needs and physical health needs. So there's going to be a hearing about that. Um, so that that's going to be interesting. But y- you think we'll start seeing what you call the priority bills, the things that leadership really want to get through Yeah, I think so. Early last year uh, in Pritzker's first session, he really pushed for uh, the increase to the minimum wage. So we'll see if he's got something like that that he'll want to have passed before his budget address uh, like he did last year. And, of course, also next week, the ethical cloud still hanging over the General Assembly. Former State Representative Luis Arroyo of the Chicago area is scheduled to be arraigned in federal court. And there's a distinct possibility that he, too, will enter a plea agreement. Uh, plead guilty to some charge and agree to cooperate uh, with investigators on this continuing sprawling probe into corruption, uh, primarily targeted at Chicago area Democrats, both at both the state and local level. It seems. Yeah, that's we'll we'll see. The Chicago newspapers have suggested he'll probably plead guilty. Uh, we'll see if that comes to fruition. Okay, well, we'll be back next week to talk about whatever happens. For now, that's it for this week's edition of Capital Cast. Capital Cast is a podcast of Capital News Illinois, a statehouse reporting project of the Illinois Press Foundation. Until next week, thank you for listening.